it's time for another edition of Around the Nest 2.0 Season 2, where we go up, down, left, right, all through the Blue Jays minor league system, and of course, talk a little big leagues as well, and most importantly, have some fun doing it, because of course, this is a game after all. Tyler Zickel from the Vancouver Canadians, joined by Bob Lippman in AA New Hampshire, and the one and only Andrew Trifley down there in single A Dunedin. Bob, Andrew, happy Friday, July 29th. The dog days of summer are upon us. And before we get into the nuts and bolts, we just had the all-star break. So AT, how did you spend your four days off down there in Florida? I went and saw some family in uh, Pensacola, Florida. Uh, Got a nice beach house down there for a few days. Just my family timed it up right for me to be able to come. So great to see some family that I hadn't seen since Christmas. Uh, So it was nice. Good off. So you you are the cliche Florida man. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And uh, Bob Lippman, the voice, the esteemed voice of the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. How was your all-star break, Bob? Great to see you. Yeah, it was fine. It was a, a nice break. Uh, watched some of the major league festivities, uh, starting with that Futures game. And uh, hit the golf course for a couple of days, uh, which I haven't been able to do a whole lot this summer. So it's good to be out. And of course, coming off some Elton John at Gillette Stadium last night. Elton putting on a good show for everybody. How about that, huh? I, we would have got into a rain delay at about song number 20 at 10 o'clock last night, but it, we persevered through it. But it was, uh, yeah, it was it was great. I think it was the third time I've seen Elton John at Gillette Stadium. And it just, uh, it's hard to believe that that he's 75 years old and and still putting on a show before, you know, 50,000 fans on a, on a pretty regular basis here. His schedule is booked all the way through next July, I noticed. Any chance we get you on some Elton John karaoke? Yeah, I'm not a singer. <laughs> he uses those, those pipes for certainly uh, much more good on the air uh, and WGIR in New Hampshire, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But for now, let's start at the bottom rung of the ladder. Well, not the bottom rung of the full of the entire ladder, but of the full season ladder. AT, let's talk some Dunedin Blue Jays. The DJs, doubleheader sweep yesterday against Clearwater. That was great. Always good to take down the Phillies affiliate. But since we last talked a couple of weeks ago, what's been happening with your DJs? Yeah, I mean, right now we're just finding ways to win, it seems like. I mean, uh, coming off the break, we're a little little rusty. Had a a lot of turnover in terms of uh, guys getting called up again, which seems to, I keep talking about it, but happened a lot, but good to see. Um, But yeah, the the first game, we really couldn't get much going. And then just the final inning where Kelvin DeCastro gets a gets his 12th RBI of the, the season, uh, drives in a run that gets us back tied after having nothing going throughout the whole game. Um, I mean, the pitching was was great, as always. Um, and then we found a way to win an extra score in the, the man from second. Esteban Machado drove him in and then won that one. And then last night, uh, again, kind of feels like uh, we were – we had given up three runs in the in, in the eighth, I believe, and then or the sixth, excuse me, because we played two sevens. Um, and then Angel Del Rosario gets his first home run of the season uh, from an unlikely power source, ties it up. And then I kind of had the feeling once we had tied it, one of those top uh, those rehabbers at the top of the lineup in uh, Vinny Capra and Will Robertson would just had a feeling one of them would do something for us and will will drives one for a home run to uh, put us ahead. And then Trey Cumbie comes in, closes it out, closes it out. And then uh, I guess that kind of deflated the, the threshers and we go out in the next game and just get a four, a three run inning and then a five run inning and just put them away and shut them out. And 
we're just looking good right now. Uh, the If trends keep being trends, we've had a tough time of winning three, losing three lately. So hopefully uh, winning the first three won't result in losing the next three. Uh, hopefully we can be consistent and try to maybe sweep a series, see what happens. We've got some fan questions, some listener questions for this week's edition of Around the Nest 2.0. And instead of making it one question-based segment, we're going to mix them in as we check in on each rung of the ladder. So, AT, we'll start with a question from Stephen0159. It's one's out to everybody. So, Bob Lippman in AA New Hampshire, think about your answer to this question as well. But five pitchers in the Jays minor league system that have the highest upside might be difficult for each of us to pick five. So how about this? AT, give us one or two, maybe a starter and a reliever that have some really high upside down there in Dunedin. Yeah, if we're going just Dunedin now, um, I mean, I think it's obviously Diane Santos. Uh, he's huge. That slider plays so well. Um, could get called up soon or promoted soon. Who really knows? Um, we'll see how he finishes the season. But he, he's been pitching very well. Um, on the reliever side, um, I think you have a guy like Ben Baggett who really spins it well. Um, it could have some upside. Uh, Selene Martinez had a great uh, month last month going 12 innings uh, with no runs allowed. Uh, so I think those are two big guys that maybe people don't hear about as much uh, that could hopefully start impacting the higher levels uh, in the next couple of years. Bob, let's kick that question to you before we get your pulse of the Fisher Cats. Can you tell us about a couple of guys with some upside, some recent additions, of course, to that uh, Fisher Cats roster? Jasper Zulueta going to the Futures game. He had Adam Kloffenstein with the 10 strikeout game the other day. Those guys get a lot of ink, but talk about some guys who might have some upside who might not necessarily get that shine. About Luis Quinones, uh, who certainly, uh, after an injury, Got a little bit of a slow start this year and now uh, I think is starting to emerge as a guy who uh, needs to be on a major league radar here. He's learning how to how to set hitters up, uh, developing, uh, you know, the off speed pitch uh, has improved. And he has, he certainly is looking uh, when we first got him last year, very young and a little green. And now. He's starting to look more and more polished. Of course, you you mentioned Adam Kloffenstein. He's learning how to how to put hitters away too, and if he can, you know, avoid uh, some of the more difficult three one three two kinds of counts. We've watched the ten strikeouts the other night was uh, was terrific. Uh, everybody knows uh, about Zulueta at this point. Made it uh, to the Futures game and just has uh, the dynamite stuff, and we'll see where that all plays out. And I think that. Uh, Another guy you might want to take a look at is Paxton Schultz, who has, uh, has certainly been as solid a starter as New Hampshire has had all year long. Um, first uh, year last year in the Blue Jays system with Uzik, and this year uh, has certainly shown a mastery of the double-A ball player. Certainly a guy in Paxton Schultz who's going to go out there and give you four or five, maybe six innings. He's got the body for it. Certainly can go with some length, but also can come out. And maybe if he did get transitioned to a relief, we'll come out, get a couple of outs over an inning or two, but certainly Paxton Schultz, a guy to keep an eye on. And here in Vancouver, 
Abdiel Mendoza claimed off waivers from the Texas Rangers last year in the Blue Jays system for the first time here in 2022, pitched a scoreless inning of relief last night for the Canadians, but somebody who can go both ways. He's done some relieving. He's made three starts. He's gone four innings as his long this year. Of course, they're still kind of making sure they have the right idea for Abdiel in his first season in the org. So that's a guy I'm really excited about out of Chitre, Panama, who just comes out, mixes pitches well, and is so steady on the mound. You don't see any kind of emotion too high too low and I really like guys like that who no matter what's going on around them they are still the same pitcher and the same person both on the field and in the clubhouse Abdiel Mendoza certainly one of those guys and how about the lefty Trenton Wallace who's going to start tomorrow for these Vancouver Canadians here against the Everett Aqua Sox Andrew down in single a you certainly know about what Trenton was doing I think it was 30 consecutive scoreless innings before he got the promotion and uh, gave up a run I think in inning number two of his first start but he has been great since joining the Canadians and will make that third high a start tomorrow and of course we've talked a lot about Sam Roberts so I think we know what the upside is and then yesterday Chad Dallas the the number 22 Blue Jays prospect, his second consecutive quality start, six scoreless, two hits, two walks, eight strikeouts for his second consecutive start as well. He is really starting to peak here in the middle and late summer after a little bit of scuffles following his pro debut on April 13th, where he went five hitless innings, not a crater, but went down as he kind of figured out how to become a professional pitcher working every sixth day in the pro ranks. And he is really putting it all together in this month of July. So that's somebody who I'm really excited to see. Speaking of Trenton Wallace, by the way, AT, can you tell us about your interpretation and your impressions of the, the only Big Ten pitcher of the year in Iowa Hawkeyes history? I mean, he's just he's just really good. Like, again, I think they, they were all feeding off of each other uh, here in Dunedin, but it was just one after another coming out, and, and he kind of just found that confidence. I think he lost a little bit in May um, where he was kind of wavering, and then he came to June uh, after seeing Diane Santos uh, get a pitcher of the year. And it, it was kind of like the guys just being like, who's next. And he, you could really tell that he had that mindset of like, I'm next, like I'm going to put guys away and I'm going to win this award. And he, and he, he didn't get it, but uh, maybe if he won another couple innings, I think he would have had a chance, but again, he's not a guy that's going to over you power you by any means, but he's, he's just got that kind of arm slot and that stuff that that's not easy to hit. And, and coming from a lefty, it's just, it's just cool to watch. He's, he's just really good. Bob, let's bounce back up to you. Let's get that 30,000-foot view. Tell us about what's been going on with the Fisher Cats over the last couple of weeks before we get back to a couple more listener questions. It's starting uh, to play really well. Uh, you know, Some of these uh, Canadians who have now made it to New Hampshire, I think, are, are starting to make a difference. I really like the way the, the, the way the team has played, especially over these last, what is it, six games now since we returned from the All-Star break. Addison Barger's numbers are absolutely crazy. Since he joined the Fisher guys, I was looking at this year, 20 for 46. I right, come on, he's 435 in the 12 games since joining double A. We knew that, that he could hit, but but this has been crazy. And, and with Barger in the lineup, now there's some protection in there for Arelvis Martinez. And he went off. He's had two two home run games now in the last four. I think if there's no question he stays healthy, he's gonna wind up as our all-time leading home run hitter in New Hampshire. He's up to 24 already, and the, the mark is 27. And uh, just the, the fact that our starting pitching is a little bit more solidified now. I've watched the starters ERA drop by a point over about the last month and a half. The starter ERA now has gone from about six down to about five, and it's 
I think it starts today is actually better ERA than the bullpen has been. And it's starting to show, you know, on the field, good competitive games with Portland. They've been the best team in our league. We just won two out of three from them and uh, big 17 run output last night against uh, Binghamton. So uh, starting to see some of the, uh, the younger guys uh, getting their opportunity at double a and uh, they're showing uh, very good signs. Keep it with you, Bob. Back to a question from Amanda Kay asking about Jasper Zulueta, the difference between using him as a starter and as a reliever. Obviously, when you have that 9,900 mile per hour fastball, you come out of the bullpen and you can really let it loose. Whereas as a starter, you might have to put a little bit of a saddle or a bridle on it. I'm not much of a horse person, but you catch my drift. You can't necessarily let it all out of the stable right away as you do when you come out of the pen. So for you, Bob, where do you see those differences for Yasper? I know that's a relatively small sample size, but we'll take your thoughts on that. Yeah, and, and guys weigh in on this as well, because I haven't talked to Jim Sykowski about what the plan is for Zulueta, but everybody is reading into the fact that this could be an arm to help the Toronto Blue Jays bullpen as early as this year. So, right, we're talking about six weeks from now. So it doesn't surprise me at all it wouldn't surprise me at all if the plan is actually to watch Zulueta come out of a bullpen situation. Now he hasn't been used in anything resembling what you know you would call those uh, those uh, high pressure situations late in games. He's getting clean innings, but he's getting that experience of warming up in a bullpen, coming into a ball game as opposed to the 15 minutes before a scheduled start. Ideally, uh, with a young pitcher like Zulueta, the plan, in in my opinion, is you let him start, you let him work on developing all of his pitchers, all of his pitches, maybe get through a lineup twice. In this particular case, I think that there has been a noticeable switch here to put him in the bullpen and let him at least uh, get a feel for what that's all about. Makes a whole lot of sense. And I think, Andrew, you can testify to this, as I will as well. Zulueta with electric stuff on the mound, but off the field, a guy who seems to have the mental makeup to be able to come into those games in those high leverage situations. Somebody who stays calm, stays steady, uh, really just very tranquilo, as he was called here in uh, in Vancouver. Lots of guys saying, yeah, Jasper goes out there and no matter what, he might be hot with his arm, but not hot with the personality. I think that bodes well to pitch in those later innings. Whereas maybe as a starter, you can be more like Alec Manoa was against the Red Sox, for example, and having a lot of that edge that go get him, if you will, a little chip on your shoulder. Zulueta, a little bit different of a perspective. And as you said, Bob, somebody who can make an impact at the big league level this season, of course, 24 years old, Remedios Cuba, the hometown. We've talked a lot about how he had the stop and start to his pro career. Of course, last year, all of one batter before the knee injury coming off Tommy John, of course, when he was first signed. So exciting prospect and certainly somebody who might be at the very top of the list in terms of blue Jays, minor leaguers who could go to the big leagues and make that impact right now. AT, I'm assuming you would concur with Bob and mine's opinion on that. Yeah, I mean, I think you, I guess you kind of saw it in the Futures game. And unfortunately, he only got one pitch. But I mean, he got to come into that uh, inning with guys on and uh, and get that out. So I think that that's a good start for him. Um, but yeah, I think here it was just kind of working on those pitches, as Bob said, and uh, really finding his stuff before heading up to Vancouver. But all, all the coaches that I've been around uh, certainly like what they see from him. And I think a couple other guys that uh, 
uh, I've thought about in that question about guys that could make an impact maybe sooner in the big leagues uh, that haven't gotten much talk recently. I think are uh, Adrian Hernandez uh, as he comes back from injury. And then I think a guy that just rehabbed with us um, on Wednesday uh, that can make an impact is the 2019 minor league pitcher, uh, relief pitcher of the year in Jackson Reese. I think he could be in the upper minors very soon and uh, maybe make an impact at the big league level before we know it. Zek wants to know, what's up with Eric Pardino? Yeah, I think he's just trying to get back into the groove. Uh, I mean, he hasn't pitched in probably, what, 15 months, maybe longer than that. Um, so he's only he's still on that really uh, small pitch count uh, that he's having to control. But, I mean, he's getting guys out of this level um, like he's done. He did when he was in Lansing. Um, he, he's proven that he can get those outs. But I think he's just trying to get back into the groove of being a pitcher again. And eventually he's been coming out of the bullpen, but I think he'll eventually start again. Um, he's he's gone two innings a couple of times and they've shut him down after the two innings. But he's definitely got that competitive nature in him where he stands up after every second inning uh, after we get the three outs and he's ready to go back out there. And the coaches have to tell him, hey, we got to rein you in a little bit. He hasn't gotten three up yet, um, but hopefully that's coming soon. But you can see that he really just enjoys being back, getting to pitch again. Speaking of enjoying, of course, this is a game, much as we're focused on development and winning, you want guys to be able to have some fun because if you're having fun, you're going to play better. And if you play better, you're going to win. Therefore, you're going to develop. It all goes hand in hand, very symbiotic relationship between having fun and doing well. So our friend Brendan Delaney on Twitter does some great stuff, not just following all the prospects in the minor leagues, but getting those MILB TV clips on Twitter as well. So Brendan, cheers to you. He wants to know for all of us, who would you give a fun grade of 82 on your roster. I'm going to start because I think we have the organizational leader in fun on our roster right now here in Vancouver, none other than Stuart Baroa. There is nobody in my eight seasons of minor league baseball who enjoys coming to the ballpark every day more than Stu. We were in Spokane last week, last weekend, that is, after the All-Star break. I caught up with Baroa on the Saturday. It was a day off for him, so we spent about 15 minutes chatting in the dugout pregame. First of all, I was so taken aback in a good way by his command of English. He is perfectly bilingual. In fact, serves as a translator for a lot of his teammates, but is able to communicate so well in multiple languages. Let's make it three languages because body language as well. Here in Vancouver, we have an A&B Tool Rentals Dancing Grounds crew. In between innings, he's out there in center field, matching the choreography, having a great time. He knows his role on this team. He is a spark plug at the top of the order, and he has always has a smile on his face. He's the first guy out of the dugout to greet guys coming back in after they score. And when he's in the outfield, keeps it loose. I don't want to say too loose, but certainly somebody who knows at the end of the day, if you're having a good time on the baseball field, you're going to be able to play well and uptight would be the last word in the entire English language that I would use to describe Stuart Baroa. But for you, Bob, who gets that 80 grade in fun? Yeah, I don't know that I have one on this year's team, but Chavez Young, who was with us last year and was up at AAA, there's no question he fits that mold uh, the same way. Uh, the interactions with the fans uh, have been uh, very well documented. And uh, just one of those great teammates. And, uh, and he's that kind of guy. Uh, I'd love to, uh, to watch him develop uh, that way. On this year's team, I had Tanner Morris was certainly uh, pretty close to that in the early part of this year before we said goodbye to him as well. And AT, how about for you? Single A Dunedin, 
not necessarily the easiest place to have fun. No disrespect. Just I know, like, for example, Stuart Barroa, he feeds off the energy here at Nat Bailey Stadium for a sellout, which we're planning for today for the nooner. No tickets available are going to be a packed house on a hot one here in British Columbia. But that being said, guys having fun in the Florida State League might be an even greater testament to your mental makeup because it's got to come from within. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's even more special for this guy since he's been hurt for a while now, but still uh, enjoying being around the team and trying to make guys laugh and have a good time. Adrian Pinto, he's he's just fun to be around. He's always got a smile on his face. He's uh, making everybody laugh. He's he's helping where he can because he knows that he, he might not get to play for a little while longer. Uh, so if he can help a teammate out or be there for a guy and make a guy laugh, then he's, he's certainly been that this year, and he's, he's just a good guy to be around. And speaking of having fun, how did the home run chain celebration start with the DJs? So our hitting coach, Matt Young, uh, he, we'd started it last year and it became like a hitter of the game chain. And after every game, if we won, uh, whoever was kind of the hitter that got us to that victory would get the chain every day. Um, and then we brought it back this year and Hunter Mentz up in Toronto saw it and thought it was something that the whole organization should do. Um, and they kind of brought it to the other levels. I, I know you all have uh, the Mountie. Um, and then I think there's a Thunderbolt up in, uh, up in New Hampshire. So it was kind of a, a Matt Young thing that uh, began to spread throughout the organization. And then the way that fans see it, um, for us at least, uh, the, once they hit a home run, they, they get to put it on and uh, kind of run around the dugout with it. So it's been cool to see. It's definitely evolved. I'm not trying to turn this into a politically charged podcast, but here in Vancouver, of course, we have the Mountie logo. I've got it on my shirt right here, though. And again, please excuse my American ignorance to our producer, Leo Mui, who is the only Canadian national associated with around the nest these days. But I know that the Mounties themselves, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, a little problematic, similar to American policing these days. Of course, there's been some controversy around that and all things considered, the boys love the chain. The fans love it. We've gotten just a little bit of pushback saying, well, why do you have a Mountie on your chain celebrating a good time? But at the end of the day, it's a logo. It's a character. It's a mascot. And uh, as we also have to market to an American audience. And Canada is very often associated with the Royal Canadian Mountain Police. So that being said, great celebrations up and down the system. Lightning Bolt, the Eden Blue Jays chain, the Mountie chain here in Vancouver. And here at the Canadians, Ryan Wright, the hitting coach, will take a picture of each guy who gets it and then post it up on the wall in the clubhouse. So we've got a really nice wall of shots of guys wearing the home run and hitter of the game chain. Jomer Hernandez got it when he hit the first pro homer of his career. The game-winning blast to take the series at Spokane. Addison Barger it pretty much became his chain when he was here as well. So certainly somebody who has enjoyed swinging it and uh, somebody who is likely going to be wearing that Blue Jays jacket uh, in north of the border sooner rather than later. And Leo, I'm with you in the chat. Bob Brown Bear on the chain next year. I think that's a really great idea. We can pass that along. Or, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe Vladdy's face? That could be fun. Something different. But anyways, no matter what, always good to see the chains come out at every level of the system. Uh, Bob, another one for you. Let's talk a little bit about guys who might be uh, unknown in New Hampshire. And I don't want to say unknown because we talk about just about everybody on the roster, but is there somebody who has not been getting the attention that they might deserve? Kind of difficult 
to say Zick only because our roster has turned over so mm. much. Um, where would I go with a question like that? I, I, I think I'm going to start with Luis De Los Santos, who has the looks to me to be a, a major league quality infielder. And I'm, you know, with so many good infielders in this system, I, I don't know that Luis is the kind of guy that's going to eventually make it to the Blue Jays, but it looks like he could be a guy who could help some other teams. I, the, the range in the infield is terrific. Um, the bat approach is improving uh, day in and day out. And uh, I guess he'll be right at the top of my list. How about Damiano Palmagiani, Andrew? Tammy Randy on Twitter has a question for you and me about what Dom has been doing. We knew what the slash line was like down there with the DJs. He has continued to hit returning to his hometown, essentially. He's from Surrey, B.C., just 30 minutes away from the ballpark. The fans have loved seeing the local boy making some big impact. He hit a grand slam against Hillsborough as part of that six-game series sweep before the break. Continues to find his power stroke and is very much a spark in the center of the order for Brent LaValle's club here in High A. Your experience with Palmagiani, Caracas, Venezuela-born, Surrey-raised, and America for college, the College of Southern Nevada. So truly an international man of less mystery by the day. Yeah, I mean, the, the power is obviously there. Um, I mean, it just has big-time pop. Um, I think he's obviously still going to have to work on his defense at third. Um, I think it, it, he makes some great plays, and then he, uh, he can make some plays. Um, or maybe aren't as sure. Um, and then I think it's swing decisions, uh, especially down here in Dunedin, uh, that gets talked about a ton with our young guys, is just making good swing decisions and just knowing when to take those walks and just let the next guy come up. And I think that's that's the reason that he got promoted was because he was starting to do better with those swing decisions. Um, I'm not sure you can attest to how he's been doing at the next level with his uh, decision-making. Um, but I think those are his defense and his swing decisions will uh, be what either takes him to the next level or keeps him there. I'm with you on that playing third, but playing a lot of first base here in high A as well. And certainly a guy who goes out there every day and understands not just his power on the field, but his power off. I know he made a terrific impact with the fans down there in Dunedin is doing the same here in Vancouver. And the numbers are also bearing it out. He'll start today batting 269, six homers, 17 RBI, and he's played in about 26 games and is averaging just about one hit per game played. So I like to say on our broadcast here in Vancouver, if you can get one hit in every game, game you play in you're having a really solid season and here in high a that is the case for damiano palmagiani after slashing 256 351 508 in single a uh curious to know as well andrew another question coming to us from twitter this is from matthew weber how do teammates differentiate between nathaniel perez gonzalez and nathaniel perez lopez do they have nicknames <laughs> so one is is taller and skinnier so <laughs> okay they... body type helps so they call him Flaco, which is skinny in Spanish. Um, and, and the other one, uh, uh, Gonzalez, by no means is a, is, is a large human, but still shorter. Um, so he gets called, I, I believe he's called Gordo, um, but it's more, it's, it's in a loving sense. Um, there's, there's no hate uh, behind it. Um, but when they're, when they're both on the, on the team together, it, it's fun to see because they are, they are very good friends. Um, so if you just call both of them Nata, uh, they both look and are, and are trying to figure out what's going on. 
Um, we haven't had any problems yet with the bullpen phone call where you're calling for Nathaniel Perez and you're getting the wrong one coming up, but uh, it could happen. It's certainly good to know that uh, teammates can differentiate if fans might not be able to do so the same way. Uh, getting here to the end of our episode on this Friday, July 29th, and let's finish with this for each of us. Let's talk about one difference maker between now and the end of the season. Very much the Canadians have the destiny of their second half playoffs hopes in their hand. They're starting today a half game ahead of second place Eugene and a game and a half in front of the Mariners affiliate from Everett. Now, the Emeralds have won the first half, so they've already booked their ticket. And it feels like it's going to come down to a three-team race for that second half title between the Seas, the Aqua Sox, and the Spokane Indians, who aren't a distant third, but certainly making things happen. But this is a big series this week. The Canadians have lost three straight and need to figure it out today, tomorrow, and Sunday. You'd love to get a series split, but at least win two of these six games after dropping the first three. In fact, the Canadians, no hit through the first seven innings yesterday. Harry Ray, a leadoff double. The Canadians were two outs away from winning the game with one hit because Ray went to third on a pass ball, then scored on a Deshaun Brown ground out for his first career RBI here in high A, but then gave up the lead in the ninth, lost it in the 10th, final score 4-1. But some low-hitting, low-scoring games for the Canadians' offense after that historic nine-game winning streak and a series out in Spokane where they got 30 hits over those three games. So the offense, for me, is going to be the difference maker here in Vancouver. You lose guys like Addison Barger where now you don't necessarily have those boppers at the middle of the order, though Leo Jimenez, the number six Blue Jays prospect this season, is having a career year in terms of his power numbers. We knew he was going to get on base. AT, you saw it down there in single A last year, over 53% of the time Leo was reaching base. He is still doing that here in Vancouver, but now he's finding that power stroke, multiple homers, doubles, triples, and a guy who's really putting a lot of good contact on the ball and getting a lot of good contact as he leads the team and hit by pitches. And the Canadians as a team, leading the league in bruises as well. So baseball magnets up and down the order for Brent LaValle's club. But uh, Bob, for you, I'm not sure if the Fisher Cats have what it takes to try and make a postseason run because there's a lot of talent in the Eastern League this season and there's been a little bit of scuffling. But if they were to turn it around, what would be at the center of a miraculous comeback to push towards the playoffs? Or Elvis Martinez just continuing to be the the player that I, I think all of us know that he can be, that batting average is still a little bit low. He's still striking out a little bit, uh, but he'd be our guy. And, and maybe I can weigh in for Pat because he couldn't make it here from AAA. But let's keep in mind, Buffalo's only three games out of first in the International League, and they need some pop. And, and our Fisher Cat alums, Otto Lopez and Spencer Horwitz, I think are two guys who can certainly help provide some spark in their offense as they move down the stretch and, uh, and maybe make a run at, at what would be a pretty, uh, a pretty nice title come from behind uh, fashion. AT, how about for you, single A Dedeen? The boys have been playing pretty solid over the last two months after a somewhat slow start to the year, but the skipper Donnie Murphy and his coaching staff, they've got things going in the right direction. Yeah. Only four and a half back in the second half. I think it's going to come down to the bottom of the order. Um, getting finding hits finding walks to be able to get on base to give the top of the order a chance to uh to drive in some runs um if the, if the bottom of the order can produce um i'm sure it's for everybody uh that's how we're going to win more games consistently um and i think gabby martinez if he's if he sticks around we'll see how much longer he's with us but i think he's going to be that catalyst where when as he goes we are going to go um and then rainer nunez uh again, chance to be the most valuable player of our league. Um, he's hit a little bit of a cold streak 
Uh, so if he can figure it out as well, I think we can start to put some more wins together and uh, make a really deep run. Dunedin wrapping up their series with Clearwater over this weekend. And then as you look ahead to August, lots of home games for the DJs, at least to start. You'll go to Lakeland for the first week of August, then back-to-back home series against Tampa and Jupiter. And then you hit the road at Bradenton and at Tampa to wrap up the month of August and start the month of September, of course, the last month of the regular season. So, AT, where can we keep up with all things Dunedin Blue Jays? Yeah, um, this weekend, uh, Chris Valentine, our radio, will be in Clearwater. Uh, give me a couple days off. So listen to uh, go to DunningBlueJays.com, listen, uh, listen live at our radio. Um, it'll be at all of our home games as well. And then you can follow along on social. Um, we'll probably have some of the college draftees uh, that people are probably clamoring about now very shortly. Um, and I will give a, a, a hopefully a good thing for our Blue Jays fans up in Toronto with our first pick, uh, Brandon Barriera. Uh, I might have just destroyed that name. <laughs> But early reports out of the complex, um, I was, I've heard the, uh, the velocity comes easy. So I'm sure uh, fans will love to hear that. Two weeks from now for our next episode of Around the Nest, we are definitely going to be talking a lot about those draft picks as the Blue Jays continue to do a great job of signing all those guys that they've drafted and certainly looking forward to how they make their professional debuts over these next couple of weeks as well. Bob Lipman at AA New Hampshire wrapping up the series out at Marabado Stadium this weekend. David Korzanowski on the call, then home for a couple of weeks, taking on Richmond and Erie, a couple of good clubs out there in the other division in the Eastern League. And then you hit the road for the second weeks of August at Hartford and at Somerset, two of the best teams in the Eastern League as well. So, Bob, crystal ball time as well as telling us how you can follow along for the Fisher Cats. WGIR uh, is our flagship station, and uh, you can follow along the links right on the uh, New Hampshire Fisher Cats uh, website. Either you can go on the uh, video or, or the audio stream. Uh, fascinating uh, next couple of weeks for sure. Uh, everybody wants to know what's going to happen next week uh, with the trade deadline and how the Toronto Blue Jays are going to, to play out. And uh, will the Fisher Cats roster look pretty similar, or will there be some new faces coming. Uh, stay tuned. We'll find, we'll find out playing good ball right now, Zick. And so I think we can compete with everybody in the league. As for the Canadians, three more games this week against the Mariners affiliate from Everett, they lost the first three. So you're hoping for a series split. If the Canadians can once again, find that winning feeling that had them win nine straight, a franchise record since becoming a blue Jays affiliate before the 2011 season. And so we'll play two series at home. The first time and only time all year, the Canadians have back-to-back home series. They're a great team here at Nat Bailey stadium, even after the last three losses over the last couple of games. And they'll welcome the last place tri-city dust devils, the angels high a affiliate that's starting Tuesday, August 2nd, all the way through the 7th. So if anybody's in the lower mainland, come on out to the ballpark, support the Seas. You know what the vibes are like here at Nat Bailey Stadium, because then the Seas hit the road for two weeks. They go down south to PK Park at Eugene. That's August 9th through the 14th, a very important series. And then an even more important slate, because they'll visit Funko Field to take on these Aqua Sox August 16th through 21st on the back end of that two-week road trip. So you're home for two series and then gone for two series. And this next month is really going to determine what the playoff look will be for Brent LaValle's club. So certainly when we talk two weeks from now and then also four weeks from now, we'll have a much clearer picture of what the postseason will look like here in the Northwest League this year. But the Canadians have their destiny in their own hands and certainly looking forward to all sorts of action here at the Nat and throughout the Northwest League as we make our way through the dog days of summer. Bob, Andrew, a couple of last words. Big Lipper, what are you looking forward to most in the month of August? 
<laughs> I I'm just I'm just looking for more baseball. They're just getting uh, getting this uh, continued, and um, I, I love the summer. I love baseball, and you know that. At how about for you? I know it can be a grind. No, not to be cliche, but truly, this time of the year we are all feeling it. And for you down there in Dunedin, what are some things or one thing you're looking forward to for the last full month of the year once we turn the calendar to August? Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned we have those two home stands back to back, so I think that's something to look forward to to be able to sleep in our own beds and enjoy being home for two straight weeks. Um, so I mean. We're still in it. We still got a chance. Uh, even though it's been an up and down season, we got a chance. So hopefully we can make a run and have some fun. So, But most importantly, it's a great time to be a Toronto Blue Jay and to be in the Blue Jays organization with three of us and Leo Mui, our producer, all in our own ways get to revel in how we contribute to Blue Jays Nation all across the globe. For Andrew Triffley, Bob Lippman, and our main man, Leo Mui, who is not only doing his producer thing today, but also doing his day job. Leo, cheers to you. Thanks for making it happen on this Friday, July 29th. It's another edition of Around the Nest 2.0, Season 2. Talk to you in two weeks. But until then, go Blue Jays.